Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hey folks, welcome into Ant Waveland, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Uh, we are the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma. Uh, you know what? I was just thinking about it. So is one of you on the road for this series out in San Francisco? I am. I am, Brett. Okay. I am. I, well, I didn't want to say, but like I noticed you had like what appears to be a pretty swanky uh, set up behind you. I was like, is that the hotel room? That's that's not bad. Athletics looking you like, up. Like my kids, like Blackhawks pennant <laughs> and like random uh, Star Wars and GI Joe superhero stuff in the background. You don't travel with your GI Joes. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely well. dated myself with the GI Joes reference. There, it is still still early out here on the West Coast. So. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, okay, so obviously the Cubs are in San Francisco. They have started uh, the West Coast road trip. That I mean, I wouldn't say this is the start of the rough stretch. We we had been pegging that to the Padres series that was at Wrigley Field. Uh, when we last spoke with you folks, the Cubs were in the midst of it, which turned out to be a sweep, not too shabby. Uh, but now they hit the road, and you know we know this every year. It almost doesn't matter what team you are playing or how good your team is. When you do the that first West Coast road swing, it just is always rough. I mean, I think that body adjustment for players, the timing, you're, you're just a little bit out of whack. And for the Cubs, this is their first West Coast road trip in almost two years. So uh, that is not to say... The loss last night is excusable by virtue of the travel alone. The Giants are good, and the Cubs just had an off night in every phase of the game, whatever it happens. But I think the point there mostly is uh, in these seven games against the Giants and Padres, if the Cubs came out of it at three and four, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's that is fine. That is a totally acceptable outcome. Um, did you guys have anything in particular you wanted to comment on about last night's game? Because I think the thing that we want to get into today is a little bit broader than that. So, I mean, I didn't have a ton. Like I said, my take on it was, you know, Zach Davies, just a lot of traffic, a few pitches up, Giants were on him, bullpen was using some of their lower leverage guys who just didn't quite uh, come through in those spots. And how dare, wasn't how dare you call Rex Brothers a lower leverage guy? <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, 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 and will not stand for yeah, that. He, I, I, you're right. That was that was a grievous sin. I'm sorry. You know, I know that that's a personal affront to you. I like how, by the way, as as brothers has gotten used a little bit less and his performance has waned a little bit. I've I've acted as though I'm like, oh, that's the hottest guy. You know, I never said anything. <laughs> yeah, Brett never said brothers. anything. I, yeah, I do. Um, and that was, of course, that was uh, as high as the leverage gets in the middle innings there when he came in and gave up the home. I don't, I don't love him coming on in with men on base. That's just my general yeah, I don't, feeling he's, with him. He's not a messy innings guy. I mean, no, I know he's I feel, a lefty and you want to yeah. match up, but it does feel like... My general thought on I mean, that was Davies, it was clear Davies was 
was off earlier than that, and I'm surprised Raw stuck with him as long as he did. Uh, I generally don't criticize Ross's decision making there because I feel like he's had a really good pulse on it. So maybe there's something he saw. I didn't, I, you know, like Patrick said, he's the one out there and he's paying more attention. I was, it was a West Coast game and once it got out of hand, once that three run homer happened, I was like, okay, I don't really need to pay attention to this much more. I'll let Patrick handle handle it. And and I, uh, I think I started watching uh, uh, some uh, reality TV. <laughs> <laughs> Just really disengage, really disengage the brain. <laughs> like I thought you were gonna say, oh, I started watching some NBA playoffs. Or... <laughs> no, 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 no. There's, hey, a, there's, a, there's watched, some reality, listen. reality TV with Indian families that I discovered because MLB uh, TV has all these new commercials and it's some like some like Indian <laughs> drama. And I was like, well, I don't watch reality TV, but I gotta see what the Indian people are doing. <laughs> <laughs> Can we? Sorry, can we clarify just for <laughs> listeners who might not be aware that that you know Sadev is he's remarking upon uh, a, a culture upon which he is a, a part, right? Like, yeah. Because yeah, otherwise, yeah. out of context, you know, there's I mean, a fly ball by Castellanos. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I don't want someone to have to. This isn't a, a Brenly situation where. I mean, again, I, I, and and I don't want to make any assumptions, but you know, Sahadev's name is Sahadev Sharma, so <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe those yes, dots these are these are my people. But... They're a lot they're a lot wealthier than I am and uh, better looking than I am. But uh... <laughs> well, come <laughs> on now, those buddy. are the only real no. differences. <laughs> oh no, come on! <laughs> uh, all right, I think we were talking about baseball at some point <laughs> yeah, in the maybe. recent uh, past. Uh, Mooney, yeah, Mooney, did you want to drop any thoughts on on the Giants game in particular? Or I mean, no, or, I or if you should, hey, if you're watching into... some Indian reality TV dramas, you, I don't want to foreclose that possibility that you've got something interesting to say on that. Uh, no, I thought our producer Michael Beller had a really good idea of what we uh, could get into today. Teeing you up on that, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, and um, I think that it's you know we were talking before we started recording that. It's something on the one hand, maybe it's a little early to talk about it, but I don't know how long we're going to have this as an option to really dig into. So I'm glad we're going to get into it. And it's this idea that, okay, the Cubs uh, are the, on a results basis, certainly better than where we thought they would be in early June. And I think that uh, Jed Hoyer's remarks last week about, um, or maybe it was earlier this week, but that the team was in a better financial place than they maybe thought they would be in early June. So you pair those two things together and you suddenly start to think, oh, maybe this version of a trade season that we've had in our minds, which was either massive sell-off or just ride it out and see what happens. Maybe there's a realistic third option there and it's that the Cubs become acquirers and maybe even significant acquirers if the team is looking good enough if the options out there in trade are attractive enough uh maybe we should at least touch on oh what could the cubs do and where, where could they supplement where could they seek out trade targets and so yeah i love this as a topic and uh maybe i'll leave it open-ended for you to to kick things off side if or or mooney sorry you know what no i'm gonna throw it to mooney he set this up he he transitioned us i'm gonna set him up first for how he wants to dig into this and then i've got some thoughts too but uh like i said we just we like this as a topic because we don't know how long we're gonna have to to talk about this side of things well i think i'll leave the scherzer stuff for you guys but i do think there's definitely a a realistic reasonable 
case to be made that as Wrigley Field gets open to 100% capacity and as long as this team uh, keeps performing uh, at a not even like a high level just remains competitive they've built up enough of a cushion that I do think you get to the all obviously these plans would start before the all-star break but you can start seeing okay who's healthy who's not you know what do we need where could things go wrong in the second half and that's what you know Jed and Theo had done for years I mean obviously whether it's Castellanos or Roldis Chapman there were some really big deals they made but you know they loved getting the you know every year was a Quinton Berry or an Austin Jackson or a, you know another kind of uh, reliable middle innings reliever and I think if you look at this rotation I think you'll see what you'll get out of June but if you look I don't know what if the Nationals are out of it and there's someone like John Lester is available and like a guy that you would trust in a big game in September and it only costs you whatever two million dollars you do that right I mean as as teams there if you kind of look at the state of the division I mean the Cardinals pitching staff is pretty decimated right now uh as well I think the the Reds and Pirates you can kind of cross off and, and the Brewers always seem to kind of maximize what they have I certainly wouldn't write them off but I think there are you know ways for the front office to do their job and you know make this team better for the second half and that doesn't mean giving up your best prospects um it doesn't mean only you know blockbuster deals but you know they've shown that they're good at this aspect at least this year of all these depth guys we never heard of coming up and contributing just do more of that without touching the best pieces of your farm system and spend ownership's money why not (laughs) yeah i I mean i I definitely think that as i think the fact that things have opened up quicker than they really expected and there's more fans uh in in the stands already and did we get confirmation from the cubs that it's 100 percent it is. Okay, I just wanted to yes. make sure because I saw a bunch of like <clears throat> next Yeah. Yeah, uh, next Friday. Okay, for that's that series a, against the Cardinals. That's what I thought. I just wasn't sure if it was officially official. Uh which I mean that's great. That's 100% capacity. Uh they're going to be raking in the money now. This is uh, you know, there's no excuses. Uh projections look good. Uh, I would say that, you know, the Cubs are one of the teams that benefit most from this, right? People uh they're in a city where there's a lot of vaccinated people uh, that love to enjoy this city and its weather during the summer. Uh, we get a brief period of beautiful weather, and it just so happens to be when the Cubs are playing baseball, right? So, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a tourist attraction, all that stuff. So, there's going to be money. I would say that if this continues, I don't know how you don't add to the team. I. I know it's really hard. I think for me, the biggest thing is how difficult it is to kind of how do you push in when you know that three key players are are uh, are free agents, right? Rizzo, uh, Rizzo, Baez, and KB. Like, what type of assurances or or confidence do you need to have that you can add bring back one or two of them at least, right? Do you want to start pushing in when you? It's just a really it's a difficult situation to be in as far as. A front office member for fans and us and stuff like that yes it's easy to say push in and i agree they should 
but it's just I I would not want to be Jed Hoyer right now to try and figure out to try and toe that line of yeah I want to win another World Series and this team is starting to make me think that they're they're not as bad as we once thought they're certainly not as bad as we thought and are they better than we thought uh, if they keep playing like this and they really if they just if they come through June and and they're still competitive that's that for me tells a lot about this team it's really hard to win on the road against good teams. We don't know how teams are reacting to it now, how their bodies are reacting to these things. Uh, I don't know who it makes sense. Like, I, I agree that, yeah, some small moves wouldn't be hard for them to pull off. But really, we know what they need, right? They need that front of the rotation guy that they uh, traded away already. Uh, it, I mean, I just don't know how that looks, how you make that work if you're going to pursue that front of the rotation guy. Because it just it, it almost feels like you're owning up to a mistake. Uh <laughs> and, and but also <laughs> but also it's almost it's, yeah, yeah but it all, but it's also there was a reason that was made right the farm system does need more depth there are issues with the farm and, and you have to think about the future at some point so how do you balance those two ideas at this trade deadline i think is going to be a fascinating topic as uh as we get closer to that moment what's tricky is that i think you could frame an argument that the fact that there are guys on expiring deals who are going to be walking after the season is a reason to push in, right? Because it's the last year that you've got. So it's like, oh my God, max it out. But I also agree with what you were implying, which is that if you are going to lose all of these guys, it, it makes you not want to have a sell-off. It's I, I genuinely believe that it's not that the Cubs want to have a sell-off. It's that if everybody's going to leave, and if we aren't going to make a substantial run in the postseason, then it would be even more defeating not to make sell trades in July. And I think that that's why I was doing a, a radio hit last night, and it kind of dawned on me that actually what really informs this conversation right now in a lot of ways has nothing to do with the competitiveness of the team, what's available in the trade market, any of that stuff. It's, you know what I'm doing first if I'm Jed? I am really, really, really trying to nail down whether I think I could extend any of these guys and whether and or whether I can feel good about my chances to re-sign them in the offseason. Because if I do feel good about those things, then my calculus about how good the team needs to be for me to buy is probably changed dramatically. I'm probably way more willing to buy and maybe even buy aggressively uh, in July if I feel like we're close enough, you know, a couple of games back, maybe whatever. I'm ready to buy aggressively if I feel like, well, I'm still going to have some of these guys next year. And so that's the the tricky thing. And I think you're spot on right side of that. Um, and well, let me take both of your guys' points. I think adding a John Lester type is going to be eminently doable. I think financially it's going to be, I think it's very clear. Like there was no hedging from Hoyer. I think we know that the money's being turned back on a lot faster than people thought. Uh, we know that payroll was way down this year in anticipation of there not being money. So like there's money that I don't, I don't think there's any question. I know that the very cynical Cubs fans like, like to rebut that, but I think there's going to be money. I think the question is, are you going to want to give up any substantial prospects for a run with this team? And the issue there is you can add a John Lester type with minimal prospect return. You take on the salary, you, you deal one of the many exploding arms down on the farm system that you've got questions about, fine, great. 
But does that make an appreciable difference for what we believe this Cubs team can do late in the year and into the postseason? And I know that a million things could happen that can derail your best laid plans. But if you're looking at this team now, I feel like there's only one thing that it actually needs. Like there's one target area that is so obvious that they need to be able to be in position to make a deep run. And that's an impact starting pitcher at the front of the rotation. Uh, Bullpen, it's great. It's got every piece that you need. It has tremendous depth behind it. I just don't see the need to make a dramatic addition there. Uh, Positionally, I think we're seeing there's more depth than we thought. And obviously injuries can always change that calculus. But, you know, where's the spot where you're adding an impact starter on, on, on the positional side? I don't see what it is. And so really it leaves the rotation. And it isn't just that it's the rotation by default. It's the rotation because it's like, who's that guy who's going to, go into a postseason start and give you seven or eight dominant innings. You know, like who is that guy? I don't see who it is. Maybe Kyle Hendricks does it because we know he can. Um, But outside of him, the rotation is like built on guys who only do give you five innings. And so that just, that's what makes me nervous about thinking, oh, this is a group that can make a run deep without making a big trade. And so, you know, I, I have, I've started the process of like putting out the, putting out content that alludes to Max Scherzer and it's like half joking. It's sort of knowingly poking at the biggest name who addresses the biggest need. Who's a rental type. Who's going to be traded. Um, that doesn't mean that I think the Cubs are going to go after Max Scherzer. He's, he's uh, probably going to command a return and trade even as a rental that I'm not even sure the Cubs could meet what the highest bidder is going to be. You know, if there's a team out there that's willing to give up a tip-top impact prospect the way the Cubs were when they traded for Oraldis Chapman, I don't think the Cubs can beat that offer. And then even if they could, I don't know that they would want to. So I, I will, you know, I'm going to keep poking the bear when it comes to to Scherzer, but I really don't know that that's how realistic that is. But I think we'll see as the market evolves, there's going to be a lot of starting options that that do come on to the market. I'll, I'll throw this out there and I don't... Uh... I don't know if there's a good name to to attach to this. Uh, you know, like I, the one that comes up is Jose Barrios. But is there uh, is there someone on a team that's out of it or falling out of it or likely going to be out of it that you get that that makes sense for not just this year but beyond, right? That is a reasonable extension candidate, all of that stuff, right? Uh, and you could give up a legit prospect for. And when I think about like how can you justify giving up a top prospect? What about, again, I don't, this is me speculating and just trying to think of rosy scenarios, but you talk about feeling good about extensions. What if you feel good that, you know what, Wilson Contreras has convinced me that he's the guy, that he, we want him as our catcher for the long term. He's earned that long term deal. Uh, let's, let's try and figure out what, what makes sense there. And Miguel Amaya is available uh, at the trade deadline. I'm just saying that's, that's one scenario that, could make sense for the overall not just thinking about we're all in for 2021 forget about trying to you know we can't think too far into the future i think that balances both ideas right it's an area of depth i want to okay i gotta jump in just on that in part because as these guys will let you listeners know i gotta dash in a moment so they'll be wrapping this up but i want to push back a little bit on that conceptually because typically 
teams, including the Cubs, they love to add those multi-year guys in trade. It's like, well, if I'm giving up a significant prospect like Amaya, it'd be nice to get back multiple years of control in any case, right? But what I wonder is, is this a year when maybe that's less compelling than it typically is? And I say that because one, this offseason, so the Cubs have so much money coming off the books. It is going to be a loaded free agent class. Now there's uncertainty about the CBA, put a pin in that. But it's possible that this Cubs team, particularly with their ability to turn good pitchers into great pitchers, potentially. I mean, like, I don't want to overstate it too much, but I don't know. I look at the free agent class and I'm like, oh my God, I would love to be the kid in the candy store with, with this instead of having a bunch of spots kind of locked down. So maybe it's less compelling for that reason. Uh, we know that they want to keep building out the farm system. So I'd be, I'm reluctant to I understand that you would to get a multi-year guy, you're going to have to give up one of your top prospects. little hesitation there. And then also, lastly, I don't know. I'm starting to feel like the, the pitching on the Cubs side is percolating up. You know, even in the starting pitching, you're starting to wonder like, okay, yeah, this year Keegan Thompson is filling in a swing role, but maybe you'd want to give him a look next year. Maybe you want to make that available. Um, and he's not alone. So you're, you're, you're I just all wonder in if on DJ hers, aren't you? I mean, <laughs> dude. Him and Ryan Jensen throwing no hitters at an A ball, like poo, done, sold. And I'll, I'll also uh, throw so, this out on you, Brett. Maybe they don't need a top of the rotation starter. Maybe they just need to. Maybe this bullpen is good enough and deep enough that they can ride that in October. We've seen teams do that already. Tampa Bay basically did that uh, last October. I know it was a weird season, but we've seen teams even before that. That's what October has shown us the last few years. You have a really Oh, good sorry. Sahadi, I have to go. Sorry. <laughs> I just assumed you made a terrible point. Okay, got to go. Bye. <laughs> we'll we'll let Brett go out on that. I, he he he's uh he's so uh, uh you know, shaken by my amazing uh point there <laughs> yeah. that that he just had to leave. I, but I don't think that's crazy either. I was thinking about that a couple days ago. We, we talk about this, I think, more for like getting a Scherzer or anybody, like a front-of-the-rotation guy that kind of stabilized things is more for the regular season right now because I know bullpens can change like that, right? We don't, it, can, it can go to hell quickly, but they have multi-inning guys. They have guys that are interesting. They have guys at AAA that I keep saying, I, I keep checking the box scores, and I'm like, they could call that guy up, and he, he looks like the numbers are telling me this, and when I check in with scouts, they're like, yeah. He's actually doing pretty well. He's got this, that, and the other in his arsenal. Robert Stock was pitching four innings the other day, so I, I don't, I don't know what's going on there exactly. But there's, there's something working with the pitching. We know that we're seeing the results at the major league level and the minor league level. Maybe, maybe there's a way that they can, if they uh, hold where they are and get into the playoffs, uh, that they, they don't need that big move to really solidify the rotation at the front end they could do smaller moves and still say we we're good enough to make a run yeah i was gonna make a i was gonna dunk on brett and make a similar point until he uh ghosted us on zoom but no i I definitely think you're right there that look scherzer is just a unicorn there aren't many guys out there that you trust to give you seven innings in a playoff game anymore that's just not how it works they definitely have a deeper bullpen than the one they did a couple of years ago. And it felt like, you know, Jesse Chavez was like pitching every single night because Joe Madden didn't have a lot of guys that he trusted. Um, you know, we've written about a more contact oriented offensive approach that I think the Cubs, um, 
you know, would not go into a playoff series against the Marlins and expect to score one run in two games again. I, I think that they're pretty well locked in here and that as the game evolves, they can kind of think about this uh, in different ways. Jed has shown, you know, he made that kind of, you know, rip the bandaid off move with you Darvish that maybe have bought him some breathing room, but he kind of charted this middle path of loading up on guys on with one year deals and, postseason experience and something to prove and I think my only reality check was I was looking at the game notes last night and you know the last time the Cubs won six consecutive series I think it'd be like a while ago and it was 2019 before they signed Kimbrell before they traded for Castellanos before Darvish became like a Cy Young monster so like there is going to be a correction to this it's just a matter of how they can manage their way through the down periods and, you know, kind of uh, remain competitive because otherwise, you know, it, a lot of this is like matchups when you catch teams, but I don't know. It's hard to look at the rest of the national league and the teams that the Cubs have played and their record against the contenders and be like, Oh, well, they don't have a shot in October. And maybe in late July, it looks a lot different if there are injuries and underperformances and, you know, these guys playing over their heads kind of go back to, Iowa, but for now, I, I absolutely think you got to look at those moves uh, around the margins, the depth pieces. I mean, even I guess Chafin was injured last year, but that was someone they traded for that you know made no headlines. They gave up. I don't even remember what it was, uh, and obviously they had to resign him. But I mean, he looks like a great reliever for October, and that was you know I know you were on that name for a while. You know they were on him. Uh, Sahadev, but otherwise just kind of moves like that that make you better because they have the star players and I think Kyle Hendricks has started you know a game one playoffs before he started a World Series game seven like that's a good place to start especially if uh, David Ross is pushing the buttons on a, a bullpen that the Cubs haven't had uh, in seemingly a long time yeah I think you're right there's so many things for me it's just like let's see where this goes I'm I, it turned so drastically in the past couple months that I, I just don't want to make any assumptions right now with this team. We, I think we were hammering them so hard and justifiably they deserved it early on, uh, but they've they've shut us all up and, and they look like a team that's good enough to beat anyone. I think they're, they're proving that now. We'll see how they come through June. I'm the, we, I joke about Rex Brothers being a low leverage guy. How <laughs> dare you say that? But he's right. He, and the, that, the fact is, that makes their bullpen really deep. He's he's been really solid, and, and guys like him and Dylan Maples can clean up bad games, and 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 you you don't waste the really talent not talented but really you know high leverage guys, and they have more in the minors. I'm just I, I'm curious to see how Ross can kind of put this all together. I'd really like to see what he could do without an ace in the postseason. Can he can he mix and match and really make it work? in this new era of baseball that we, that we're seeing that it may go away with rule changes and whatnot. This may be one of the final opportunities to really do that. Who knows what rules uh, come into place that put more uh, importance in, in, you know, having that seven, eight inning guy. Uh, but right now uh, you can get away with this stuff and, and uh, they're, they're talented enough right now and showing us that the bullpen is deep enough to do th- some things that in a non-traditional manner and maybe win. So, I say go for it. Uh, I say, uh, you know, let's see what 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 they can pull off with the talent that they have. 
uh, and maybe they don't need to go all in on, on an ace. And, and obviously you'd like to have, you know, Max Scherzer and Kyle Hendricks. But if you have Kyle Hendricks and a bunch of bullpen arms and some solid starters, then that works too. Uh, that's it for us. So this is on to Waveland. Make sure to, what, what's our email again, Michael? You can, you can shoot, uh, shout it out for us or no. Do we not have an email anymore? It is wavelandathletic <laughs> at gmail.com. There we go. Uh, email us there. Uh, th- thanks to Brett Taylor, our normal host there. He's, uh, read his work at Bleacher Nation. Reed Patrick and I work at, uh, The Athletic. Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. Take care. <laughs>